Brown O'Haver Studios, it's time for The Rush with Butkus Award winner Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. That's a quick story. I, I remember sitting in Las Vegas, had my old line job open, and I'm talking to him sitting at this table. I'm not in person. I got him on the phone. And I'm talking to him about what our situation's like. And anyone who knows Bill, you guys have gotten to know how gruff he can be and quick to the point. He says, hey, coach, are you going to offer me the job or what? What are we doing here? <laughs> <laughs> I said, Bill, I'm offering you the job. And uh, I had to work out a few more details on, you know, on, and, uh, about it. But uh, then, and then he goes, well, then I'm coming. <laughs> I well, that. I was a little sensitive to the fact that I knew he and Dana Holgerson were good buddies. So I'm like, well, I, you know, I need to sell him on this a little bit. He just cut me off. He says, Coach, you don't need to tell me about Oklahoma. I know what Oklahoma is. That is so funny. So I, good. I love that story because, you know, I love hearing Coach Stoops talk about it. And I can just picture – Beaten bow. I, I don't know what he's doing on the other end, but he's busy. He's got stuff to do. Either offer me the job or don't. I'm a busy man. <laughs> to have the stones to do that to Bob Stoops of all people, you know, like it's one thing if, oh God, what coach do I want to pick on here? It's one thing if Joey McGuire at Texas Tech is calling you, right? Right. It's either like, all right, it's Texas Tech, man. Either you're gonna pay me more. Either you're going to hire me or not. Let's let's talk about it. I know the situation there. But Bill Beatonbow was at West Virginia, and he's talking to Bob Stoops at Oklahoma. And to, and to have the Stones to approach it that way, which obviously Bob, Bob is the kind of guy that kind of loves that, you know, because oh, yeah. Bob's not necessarily all that big on small talk. I'm, I'm sure especially back then it's either, all right, man, like are we, we going to do this or not? Let's just cut to the chase. It's I love whenever he's like, cool. yeah, I'm offering you the job. I've got some details i got to work out. Well, I'm coming. <laughs> That's so good. Amazing. Well, I don't know. Go ahead. No, I just, I just feel like um, a lot of people are really rooting for Bill Biedenboe now to not only succeed, but turn in some of his best uh, O-line performances. I feel like the feeling on him has flipped – Quite yeah. a bit after after this whole thing. The pressure is on, um, and I know that's nothing new. He's, you know, he he's always under pressure, whether it's uh, applied by himself or, um, you know, the the way the season's unfolding, or you know, just that's just how how that world operates. There's always pressure, so that's nothing new. But yeah, there's there's been a slip. You know, we've we've talked about it. Now, I believe it is my theory that there's there's explanation for the slip in the offensive line uh, performance. I it's I always go back to the fact that, and this is this is all kinds of different things, you know, in different situations. But Bill Beanbow did not forget how to coach. Bill Beanbow has not changed, right? It's it's not as if Bill got soft or, you know, got lazy on the job or isn't, you know, doing all the things that he needs to in in recruiting. I believe that 
as the demand and the expectations at Oklahoma continue to rise, there there was – he has more work to do than anyone else because he coaches more players that are on the field at the same time than anyone else. And that means he has to recruit more guys than anyone else. Right, he has to has to vet and search for more guys, more recruits than anyone else. He has to go see, physically see guys, more guys than anyone else. And he was doing all those things without much help. Not to mention, I consider offensive line to be a very discipline driven position. There's not a lot of room for. Um, 15 yard penalties. Even when you had the greatest offense in college football, they were able well, to overcome that for uh, in 2017 and 2018. But there's there's not a lot of there's not a lot of room for it. It can't be a democracy in your in your meeting room, right? It, it, there's there's one voice. There's one coach. This is how it's going to be done. Like we're not changing our approach for different guys, and well, this guy likes to be coached this way, and this guy likes to work out that way, and this guy's a little banged up here, so we don't want him doing that. Like there's there's way too much of that going on previously. So I believe like the new mindset in the strength and conditioning room, it on on the offense uh, with the with the offensive coordinator Jeff Levy, and. The resources he's going to have administratively on the back end, especially whenever it comes to recruiting, not just the fact that he's going to have other offensive assistants there that he has in the past, like a load hold and and some of those other guys. I think all of that put together is going to equal offensive line back to being the level we expect. I I hope so. I I definitely think that he falls – more into the thinking of this previous or this current staff than maybe the previous one. And not that he didn't blend in just fine with the previous staff. He had a Joe Moore award-winning offensive line that year. But I feel like the philosophy and kind of what this this new staff and this head coach is all about fits more into kind of the frame of what Bill Bedenboe is as a coach. And I think you're right, um, but I hope you are, about better offensive line play because – if Lincoln ran scared because of the challenge of the SEC, well, buddy, Bill Biedenboe's got a massive challenge on his plate because if we're talking about positions that have to be ready to go day one in the SEC, we're talking about the offensive line, dude. There's yeah. nowhere to hide in that league if you do not have a good offensive line. So there is a lot on his plate right now to get that O-line where it needs to be when they roll into that conference. Uh, and I believe that the offensive line coach needs more help than any other position coach on the team from the strength and conditioning group. Like that aspect of it, uh, the, the discipline factor, the, the getting stronger, getting quicker, all of those things, you've got to have big gains from offensive linemen. You get big kids that come in from high, high school, right? You do. But they've got to get way stronger. They've got to be way quicker, more explosive, um, more detail-oriented if they want to compete at the highest level. And my hope is he – and I believe, not just a hope, I believe that he's going to get that 
support from the strength and conditioning staff. Bama's been uh, rolling out elite offensive linemen. Yeah. That's a big reason why they've been so good. Georgia's been rolling out elite defensive linemen. Well, hell, the Neal kid might be the number one uh, top five player. uh, First Alabama player ever to go number one overall. Did I see that that I, I see that right this weekend. I was I had to do like a triple take. Like, wait, yeah, is that right? Huh? I think a lot of a lot of folks are saying it's maybe between him and what's the kid's name? Was it NC State big offensive tackle for me? I was just State. shocked that Alabama's never had a player number one overall in the draft, but got Mark Ingram was the first player that's won a Heisman for them way in 09. Yeah. Boy, they've had a bunch of top five type of players, but yeah, is that right? Yeah, I that I did well, a triple take this weekend of okay, what? Huh? No, what? That can't be right. Well, Seriously? just think though. I mean, oh, quarterback play hasn't been all that. Well, more often than not, it's it's going to be a quarterback at that spot. Like that's the position that gets the number one overall. You know, more often than any other uh, any other spot, and they just had their you know first Heisman Trophy winning quarterback ever this season, right? So, yeah. I guess that does stand to reason a little bit. Um, everyone is no, – no one's mentioned this all day long. The baseball game's going on on, the, on, on our app, Sports Talk 1400 app, 1400 right. AM, and nobody's mentioned the, uh, the song that we cannot mention on the show. Really? E- everyone is just now complaining about the iHeart app and the fact that it's playing. Wow. Um, should I troll everyone? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm just kidding. That's actually that may be funny to us. It's not funny to anyone else. Let I can't it go, let it go. <laughs> People get so immediately triggered. Like my wife now used to like that song. I think it 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 triggers something inside her that makes her visibly angry every time she hears that song now. Right. Just know that we can't control that where I'm at. And no, text line, we're not taking longer bathroom breaks than normal. This is uh, out of our hands today. Am I am I crazy, or is was Jerry Cantrell the guitarist for Allison Chains part of that band? I have no idea. Hmm. Okay. If you want to, if you want to ask me who played um, halfback at Penn State in 1974, we can have that conversation. I know bands. I know rock bands. But the drummers in a lot of bands, um, or the the lead guitarist, I'm probably not going to know too many of those dudes, unfortunately. Uh, which, which, by the way, the latter of that, way more useful than uh, knowing who played college football 50 years ago. Well, halfback, um, I, what I was about to say is I'm all about bringing back the term halfback. When's the last? I tried time you to. Well, that? I tried to say like an old sounding position. Right. I almost went with end. Remember in football where there used to be just ends. Right. Um, halfback is. It's not. It's just running back now. You're right. not a tailback or a halfback. You're you're just a running back, no matter what you look like. Wow. There's. It's like a record. Um, there's so many people that have been in this band. It's just nonstop. There's a ton of people in this band. It's a revolving door. Well, I think that we uh, probably can't mention these guys ever again with how annoying that song is yes! to everyone. Jerry Cantrell was there initially, so I nailed it. God, I'm so good. Lucky guess. When it comes to music, Lucky I'm, guess. I'm not sure that there's anyone out there that knows more about music than I do. Uh, Mike Steely does. He um, 
he gets in the habit of mentioning the, the song that comes back to break, and we get about a 45-second breakdown every segment of uh, the history of that band and their lead singer and everything And else. you know what is shocking about that is that Thune can actually keep up. Dude, he can with music, but if I mentioned, if I threw out a Billy Madison quote, I get crickets on that deal. But if we're going to talk huh. about the Cars and their band... He might throw out about two or three little facts of information about that band. Like, what? Wait, wait. You can't know about the cars and not know about Billy Madison. So you're telling me if you say, talk about a hole in one, he has no idea what you're referencing? No no clue, dude. No clue what you're talking about. (laughs) Oh, that's great. That's that's fantastic. Well, um, did you see some of the rule changes for baseball? Uh, the bases are going to be bigger. They're going to ban the shift, which is just the biggest stupid LOL moment of all time. Like, you know how <sighs> the shift annoys me so much. Just hit the ball the other way. It's not that hard. You keep your hands inside the ball, and you hit it the other way. Dude, you can hit for power going the other way, too. It's really not that difficult. We're going to cater to these guys. It's amazing. God, it annoys me. It's it's. It's so amazing. Baseball pisses me off every offseason. No, I agree. And if if everyone wants to sit around and talk about baseball, and I, I think baseball is a fine sport. I do. But you're not going to find a whole lot of sympathy from general sports fans. And I'm, I'm not saying baseball fans, but general sports fans. It, it would be like the equivalent of um, – you know, Aaron Rodgers refusing to throw a check down because he just wants to show off his arm talent on on every he would rather throw long incomplete passes or interceptions than complete it to an easy check down. Well, you should have used Dak Prescott as an example. <laughs> King checked down himself. So that's what I would have said. It's it's just it's totally absurd that baseball players have turned into 100% stat stuffers, like all about me and all about what I did, what my uh, batting average is, and all of those things. Literally nothing to do with team until like the playoffs show up. And sometimes I guess you probably don't even get it then, but it's, I don't know, it's I've, pretty funny. I've got three real bugaboos <laughs> going on in sports right now. Um, at number three, these are in order, by the way. At number three is these national media dorks who won't get from behind a computer and say, oh, Brent Venables won't be a success because, well, he's never been a head coach before. That's <laughs> right. at number three. Number two is the uh, outlawing the shift in baseball. And number one is the fact that everyone's too scared in college softball to pitch to Jocelyn Allo. No, we don't want to stack up ourselves against the best and see if we can get her out and challenge her up with my best stuff. No, we're too scared of her, and we're just going to put her on first base every single chance that we get. Those are my three bugaboos right now. I'm with you. I just I cannot get out of my head whenever I – Whenever I think about the bases in baseball being enlarged, I picture everyone out there with like giant hats and gloves, and like I think it looks like a Wii baseball game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I think of it. Whenever I think of the the bags being bigger, and it's for like 
stolen bases, and and maybe it does have a dramatic shift on stolen bases. Like all of a sudden, you're going to have way more. And I guess having the bases a little closer together, maybe you can get a bigger lead if you've got a bigger bag to get back to. It's what is it? Three inches closer. Baseball has no idea what they're trying to accomplish every single offseason. It's just like they're putting a Band-Aid on. I, yeah, I don't well, know, man. And, and here's the here's the ultimate thing that I, you know, because I heard the conversation this morning. It was, it was a fun conversation to listen to, but baseball is all about trying to build their fan base. And I believe that the only way you build a baseball fan base is by having more kids playing baseball. You're not going to take a general sports fan and all of a sudden sure. introduce them to baseball and they're going to become a fan. You have to play it when you're a child, yep. latch on to the sport and to the players that are you know that are pros at the time and and build it that way. I'm sure so. that's a significant reason as to why softball is growing as much as it is yeah. right now. I mean, one, it's it's a good product to watch on TV, but two. Probably, I would guess, you have a whole lot more girls playing the sport in the past, you know, 10 years or so. Yeah, nope, no doubt. All right, quick time out. More from the rush coming up. Final hour rolls on next. Happy Coach Steve Sarkeesian. Direct snap, Brooks fakes the pitch, bounces it outside. He's to the 30, he's to the 25, he's to the 20, he's going to go! Kennedy Brooks, he just won! He just won the game! Kennedy Brooks just won OU Texas! Yeah, that's right. Happy 48th birthday to Texas head coach Steve Sarkeesian. Five and seven last year. Sark, how'd you do it? Isn't it, um, it's kind of a mystery now how they won five games after seeing how bad they were last season. It's not really a mystery as to how they lost seven. It's more of, wow, how did that team piece together five wins last season? Yeah, it, it really kind of is. I'm going to bring up their, uh, their schedule because didn't they have a couple of really close ones that they that they won? Um, let's see who would they? Yeah, Kansas State. They won that game late in the season, right? Yes, yeah. they won that game late. They twenty two seventeen. They uh, they beat Louisiana the first game of the year. Uh, I think another layup game in the non con. It's crazy. Well, yeah, I'm looking at their schedule. I'm for whatever reason. I remember the Kansas game as being like the final game of the season. But no, 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 no. It's not. No. It was right in the middle of that nice little losing streak. But, yeah, they beat Kansas State late, uh, 22-17, last game of the season. It was on a Friday. And was it one? Was, was that one that Skylar Thompson did not play in? Yeah, Will Howard ended up starting that game, right. I believe. Well, there's your answer right there. Um, they beat TCU. Shot. There's a shock because that's like the first time in like five or six years, right, that yep. they beat TCU 32-27. Um, and they were clipping along pretty good early. They had that loss to Arkansas, which Arkansas ended up being a really good football team. They got but beat up that night. Their their offense was, was clicking along okay, 58-0 against Rice, put 70 on Texas Tech, 
and then um, and then had that narrow win over TCU. OU stole their soul in the Cotton Bowl that day. Yeah, because they because they were rolling against OU, obviously, and and that would have pushed them to what five and one with their only loss to Arkansas. But yeah, that that stole their soul, and then Oklahoma State, and then Baylor. Like that was a tough stretch. Little did you know that Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Baylor, and then I guess Iowa State too. Like those four, that's the four best teams in a row, right there in yeah. the middle of their schedule. I'm looking at more of these uh, top 25 college football head coach rankings on the Athletic. Uh, the other one that we have not mentioned yet: Saban one, Dabo two, Kirby Smart's three. I'm surprised that they had moved Kirby Smart up to number two. Um, but that's fine. Kirby Smart three, Brian Kelly four in this one, Ryan Day five, Mule Shoe six. I'll go ahead and make a prediction for you. In two years' time, two years from today, when they're doing this off-season top 25 best head coaches, whether it's The Athletic or CBS or whoever does it, um, Brent Venables will be universally ranked higher than Muleshoe in these head coach rankings. Two years' time is how long it's going two to years? take. Yep. Okay, let's let's say the University of Southern California goes seven and five next year. Okay. Lincoln Riley right now, at least on Feldman's list, I believe. He's at number six on both of them, which okay. I, I think is the highest that he's going to ever be in college football. Where do you think he would well he was he was four the previous year. He's back to six yep. on this one. Like if they go, if they go down. seven and five, um, where do you think he would end up next? Well, year? I mean, he'll get a massive excuse year. Well, I mean, come on, he took over USC and it was a dumpster fire. He'll probably move back to like seven, right? Or stay put at six. Now, if if uh, current University of Oklahoma head football coach Brent Venables uh, wins a Big Twelve in season one, where's he going to be ranked? I think he'll be right around number... 22? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I was going to make that joke, seriously. Um, surely not. Surely they'll grade it a little bit better than that. I'll say t- I'll say 15. 15? Right around 15, yeah. That's where he better be if he wins a Big 12 and a New Year's Six game next year. Well, Lincoln handed him a, a program in great shape. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm... I'm interested to kind of see how the narrative on Brent Venables changes or... Or people are so stuck in their opinions if they're just going to be, you know, not reasonable with his success around here. Yeah. Surely they'll they'll give it up to him and start giving him praise if he does really nice things here. But the way that the national media is dug in their heels, I, I I don't necessarily trust them. Right. Um. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm fascinated by it. I I think obviously he's done enough right now. He's done more in his first. Gosh, it's not even been barely three months. Three. It was it was the three month anniversary on Saturday. Talking it about was? Brent Venables. Yeah. Okay, he's done he's done more in his first three months than and and part of it is I understand. I inherent in becoming a new head coach somewhere. There's a lot of things that you've got to do and change and hires you've got to make. But like considering that he kept half of the staff or more and I, 
he's done so much. Picking up the pieces of the recruiting class, getting a jump on the 23 class, um, the amount of hires and, and, and resources they've put in on the back end at the university right now, um, the, the way the, the offseason strength and conditioning has gone so far, like the junior day and, and all the great reviews coming out of there, I, they're, they're making plans and making progress on what they're going to do facility-wise. I don't know, man. It's, it's just been – he's been shot out of a cannon, and he doesn't even consider it to be, like, busy. It's just – it's like – it's like just the reality, and he's totally in love with the reality. Well, what's that comment that he made um, in the video that released yesterday? I'm going to listen to it again. Everything I do, I'm living my life like you're trying to drown me and hold me under the water. I become the desperation I wake up with every day. Yeah, you're trying to uh, like drown me underwater, and basically he's saying that he wakes up with, with that, that desperation. Like, yeah, every single day. It's like, dang, how do you? He does. How do you match that? I, and I, that's genuine, by the way. I, I really feel like he wakes up, and you know, most people are hitting the snooze button or like rolling over, not wanting to get out. I feel like he just like shoots out of bed, and he looks like he already has eight Red Bulls ready to go. Well, and that's how he has always been. That's nothing new. Sure. Um, I would say like the new part of it is whenever he went to Clemson, he got in touch with just like a different a different side of himself, a more um a more understanding and compassionate and um just kind of a I don't know, like an overall a bigger picture type of of outlook. You know what I'm saying? Um, now, whenever it comes to football, when it's time to play football and practice football and meet about football, you better believe that it's that same intensity, but it's going to be hyper-focused on what your footwork look like, like what your hand placement look like, like what is your what does your posture look like in meetings and around the locker room and at practice, like every little detail he becomes hyper focused on all those things whenever he's in football mode as like a position coach yeah. or or out there like right now he's he's got that but it's on a bunch of different things. The intensity is still there. Yeah. That's always been there. He just has maybe a different There's outlook more avenues on, for it. Yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah. So no, it's um I said this from the beginning and it still rings true today. I cannot remember a higher and I'm talking about OU, I'm really kind of talking about really any other sport out there where the fan base, I mean, especially now, man, we can't agree on anything in this country. Are you kidding me? So the fact that we all universally agreed that this was a slam dunk hire, it was the hire to make, hmm. is pretty extraordinary in uh, the year 2021 or 2020, you know, 21 when it happened. I felt the same enthusiasm though whenever they made the pete hughes hire for <laughs> OU baseball that's true they did host a nice regional out there in virginia tech right that's a good point all right quick time out more from the rush coming up couple of segments left stay with us this is your home for sooner fans the ref sports radio network whoever said the more the merrier sure wasn't in charge of hiring new employees because the more unqualified candidates you have for a job 
the more difficult your hiring can be, and that can make the process, well, not so merry for you. Thankfully, there's ZipRecruiter, which you can try right now. Let's get to a couple here real quick. Roof is what worries me. He is the unfortunate hard cap on the Vittables era, comfort hire. He has a long resume filled with average to bad defenses. I think will still be better due to BV's oversight, but Roof really hurts chances at being great. I, I don't agree with that. Well, I do I do agree to a to a point that it does seem like the outlier higher, right? That I'll give you that. Yeah, I just don't think in any way that that caps their ability as a defense. I I can't say that yet because I don't know enough about like like his his coaching style. Like, I don't I don't know what he knows. Right? I I have I have really no idea. So it's hard to comment on that. It will be the it will be the first place everyone kind of points. Sure, yeah, that that's the one hire that yeah. everyone's really going to be using a microscope on this year. And it, I don't know if this is necessarily fair, but if the defense is not what we expect it to be next season, I feel like Roof might get more of the blame than anyone else just because everyone is, you know, looking well, so hard for that to be an issue. Here's the here's the one thing I have comfort with. And I think the text is 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 on point, but here's the one thing that that I I don't worry about. That's got to be inventable's you know, his, with the way he was processing this thing, like, the most important hire is who is going to be in charge of his defense day to day. Like he's going to be a head coach, and he's going to have a heavy influence on that defense. There's no doubt about it. But I, I, he's not going to wait 25 years, have all of this planned out to the detail on exactly how he's going to go about it the process recruiting facilities like exactly every single detail he's not going to have all of those like totally prepared and then just say i'm going to hire a buddy as my dc no i just don't buy that He's way too prepared, and he's been way too methodical with everything that he's done. Now, he did take a couple chances on some young up-and-comers that maybe weren't a full-time assistant at Clemson, but we're already, we're already hearing about some of these guys that are like, dang, I mean, they, they are very, very yeah. capable on the recruiting trail. So, hey, I, and I, would, I will definitely agree with the sentiment that if there's anyone that gives you pause on the staff, sure, it's, it's, it's probably Ted Roof, no doubt about it. But I, I just don't think that they can't I, – I don't believe that they can't win a national championship because he's on the staff. No, 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 I, no. I, I think that they're good enough everywhere else. They, they can win a title with, with him being there. May I offer a theory? Ted Roof has been a bunch of different places. Um, he's, he's been all over the place. And I – I don't know necessarily if like Venables met Ted Roof along the way and said, now that's the guy that I absolutely have to have running my defense. And maybe that is the case. I don't know. 
But is there a chance that maybe his the guy that he really wants as his defensive coordinator is on staff currently? Yes. And that this is like a transition phase. Totally. Like, I would say maybe a Brandon Hall. Or Miguel or, Chavis, or Ch- or whoever Todd Bates, whoever it might be. <laughs> There's a lot of guys that could kind of right. feel like you could they could fit that mold in the future. That's who he wants as his eventual defensive coordinator. But Ted Roof gives a ton of experience, some stability there, um, you know, and just kind of e- you can ease whoever that might be into that role. That's just a theory. I, no, no I, I like that theory. I, this isn't to me a five, six, seven year hire. Um, I, I think well, Ruth, it doesn't seem that way whenever you look at his his right. history. Yeah, so I, I think if we're talking about the next DC, absolutely. Unless they're hired away by someone else, I think it, it, it's a Brandon Hall, it's a Miguel Chavitz, it's a it's a Todd Bates, it's one of those guys. I absolutely, I'm I'm in line with that theory. Brandon Brent Venables has been Brandon Hall's mentor for 25 years, right? Brandon Hall is built in the image of Brent Venables. Like the way he speaks, the way he his mindset, everything about him that he is he's brought up in Brent Venables' shadow. Okay? And he's he's been to Arkansas State, he's been to he's been to Auburn. He was just the defensive coordinator at Troy. So he's been around. He's been working his way up. I, you could not justify that hire if you're Brent Venables if you wanted to bring him in as defensive coordinator. Right? Could not justify that at this moment. No. And could you just could you justify anyone that's currently on the staff though? And that was going to be well, my next point. Is, maybe with since he's the head coach and is overseeing it, like right. But is actually and I again I'm right in line with your theory. I think. Brandon, like one of those three guys that I mentioned, your next defensive coordinator. Does Roof actually have the best resume? That doesn't mean he's the best hire, but does he have the best resume out of the staff to be the defensive coordinator this year? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. He's he's got a ton of experience. He's he's been around the game since what the early '80s. He was at Georgia Tech as a player, uh, all conference backer. So I'm just not. I'm not going to get hung up on that. Yeah, I'm not. I, I'm not I'm at really all. not. I'm not at all. I'm not going to get hung up on it too much. I'm not going to get hung up on it. Period. Um, I, I, with Venables overseeing it, you've got essentially two defensive coordinators in my mind. Yeah, and, and you can look at Roof's resume and say, yeah, I mean, he hasn't succeeded at a lot of places, and that it's definitely fair. He he hasn't been at a whole lot of places where they've had success after him either. Well, I talked about this earlier whenever we were talking about that top 25 list on coaches. It's all not created equal. There's a lot of really good coaches that have spent their life coaching football and coaching good players. And, you know, at a lot of the places he's been, you're turning, um, you know, not highly talented, highly recruited players and I mean that's not what you're dealing with at most of the places he's been, you know. Um, some places he's had some some good talent and they've done well, but 
not every place that he's been is he just dealing with yeah. the best talent out there. So I don't know. I don't need to sit here and defend the Ted Roof hire and, and I feel his like that's what I'm trying resume. to do for some odd reason. All I'm, I'm saying I mean, is I trust Venables to make that hire. That's not one. He's not going to just, like I said, have all of these details in line his entire life waiting for this moment, waiting for the perfect opportunity to take a head coaching gig, and then whenever it finally comes along – he just hires what amounts to what some people think is a buddy for defensive coordinator. That's not going to happen, man. Um, listen to this, an article that I was reading earlier. Uh, projecting college football's most terrifying environments during the 2022 season. I don't really care about the list. But there was a statement made in this article. Like, number 10, the most terrifying environments this year is Miami at Clemson. Okay, hmm. whatever. No, <laughs> this is what it says in the description. No disrespect to other conference programs, but this atmosphere in the ACC is as close as you get to the SEC fields on game days in terms of intimidation. Now, are they talking just specifically about Clemson? Or are they, or are they saying that the ACC environments are as close as you get to the SEC? Because that was like, whoa, what? Maybe basketball. It, there's, there's no way they're talking about Miami in that. Right, you mentioned Miami, right? Did you say Clemson and Miami? Well, Miami at Clemson. Miami at yeah, it's, that's it's the game. just Clemson, and I'll. It looks like a really good atmosphere when they got football games going. They've got a pretty cool little feel to it. So, um, but that is that is interesting. Now, so. I'm not saying the Big Twelve is close to the SEC or the Pac-12, no. but the ACC definitely is. The Big Ten would be your answer there if you're looking for someone that's close. The only the only thing in the Big Twelve that mirrors a, an SEC environment is when OU and Texas play in the Cotton Bowl, and when OU hosts a Top five blue blood program. And when West Virginia fans drink illegal <laughs> liquor in the parking lot. Yeah. And, well, you know, even then they've still got the upper decks completely empty there. All right. Quick time out. More from the rush coming up. We'll wrap the day up next. Stay tuned. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. Smart decisions bring the biggest returns, like the 2021 GMC Sierra, built on a foundation of professional-grade engineering that brings a strong performance year after year. Offering the world's first multi-pro tailgate, this tailgate takes innovation to the next level with six distinct functions that let you load, unload, and access the... Final hour brought to you by Riverwind Casino and Hotel. Big 12 tournament getting underway tomorrow with the play-in game between K-State and West Virginia. OU will play Baylor on Thursday night at 6 o'clock. And via the Athletic, these are pretty good odds right here. Uh, anyone want to take their chances on OU plus 4,000 to win the uh, Big 12 tournament this week? Any Ooh, takers? Plus 4,000? Man, that is... Uh, it's steep. That is steep. It's almost worth it just... Just to lay down something small to see what may happen, but no, I. It's going to be tough if they could just pull off that Baylor victory. That would go a really long way towards making the tournament. A lot of folks think that if they win that game, they're in, right? I don't know. Um, they're not on the last four out. They're not on the next four out. They're somewhere 
kind of in that next mix after that in the you know 9 to 11 range on teams that are out a win over someone that's projected to be a one seed like i i would go ahead and venture to say that there's probably not going to be another bubble team that would have that type of win in a conference tournament but you're working from such a deficit I, I couldn't say for certainty that that would get you in. I, I even think that that would be really close, and that's not knowing if any upsets would happen in any of, any of the conference tournaments. Dude, you might need you might need two wins to get into this thing. Yeah. So if they, if they beat Baylor, who would their next one be? The, uh, um, I have to pull up an entire bracket yeah. to look who that's going to be, but actually you're probably going to play an easier game in the second round than you would. Right. In, uh, in that round if you beat Baylor. Uh, Air Coverage Solutions text line before we get out of here. Most improvement, talking about OU football, most improvement needs to be O-line and special teams. O-line will be better with strength and conditioning and scheme. Special teams is a must. O-line and special yeah. teams are a pretty good place to start. We're talking about getting ready for the SEC. Well, I, I totally agree. And, you know, just knowing what I know of Brent Venable's Special teams is and, and has been a heavy emphasis for him, and it's usually a heavy emphasis for defensive-minded coaches that that feel like field position is super, super important, and and like those those hidden yardages in a game are critical. That understand like what the difference is defending when someone's backed up as opposed to being out on the twenty-five yard line, and and uh, you know feel, understands the impact of having better players, starters out there on special teams. So uh, I guess I can't say for sure if that's going to come to fruition, but I feel pretty good that Venables is going to have a, a really, really strong emphasis on, on special it's teams. It's what he grew but, up around, man. A lot of what you yeah. are as a coach is what you surrounded yourself with. K-State was as active as anyone in that era with special teams, OU in the early 2000s. I don't really know about Clemson, but that's kind of been in his DNA is to, to be good on that side. Yeah, which, and I think that's probably going to carry over. So, I don't know. We'll see. All right, OU Pro Day is tomorrow, and um, I'll be out there doing that, and then we'll have a good recap tomorrow afternoon. And I'm sure being around, milling around with the coaches, have something to talk about with the current team as well. We appreciate you guys. You killed it on the text line today. As always, keep it up. You guys push the show forward, and uh, we love you for it. Thank you to Pacifico. Go have a cold one. Wake up every morning with the voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland. It's the T-Row in the Morning Show with Toby and TJ Perry on the home of Sooner fans, the ref.